Welcome to another episode of the Music City Drive-In, brought to you by the Drive-In Podcast Network. I am your host, Ricky Valera. On today's episode, I had the pleasure of sitting down and interviewing director and writer of the upcoming IFC film, Rent-A-Pal. The film's going to be available on VOD and in some drive-in theaters near you. We talked about the film, we talked about what inspires him within film, and so much more. We did have a little bit of technical difficulty, so bear with us throughout, but I hope you enjoy the interview. Um, I'd like to welcome to the show director coming uh, film Rent-A-Pal, John Stevenson. How are you, sir? Good. I messed up with the delay, so I'm like talking over you. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Thank you so much for being show with me here today. I am very, very excited to talk about this film. Obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you are as well as your film, so... Yeah, man, it's it's just a wild ride that we uh, have a film that's getting distributed. Like, we're from Denver. All of us have been making films since film school. So, like, the fact that we're here is really crazy. Yeah, I can't even imagine. So, before we the whole, uh, I like to kind of figure out what your first memory of movies was and kind of what the first movie you kind of remember seeing as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's interesting because in your development as a kid, there's a point where you, um, there's a point where I remember learning that live action movies were something very different from like cartoons and all that kind of stuff. And I remember that for a lot of movies, for a lot of people that movies like star Wars or, you know, something like that for me, it was actually Stargate. Um, I just remember seeing that when I was like, I think I was six when it, when I saw it or eight or something and like he was touching the silver, you know, through the portal. Absolutely. The coolest thing. So that film was actually my first thing. My, the first movie where I was like, man, movies are cool. Just, you know, what about this? You know? Um, and after that, what kind of made you want to get into film? Um, <clears throat> I credit that a lot to my dad who was a, local news videographer at the um, the NBC affiliate here in Colorado. And so there was a lot of times growing up where he would have to take me to work with him or it was like, take your kid to work day or uh, whatever. But um, so I ended up going on a lot of shoots with him and learning at a really early age, like how you shoot coverage for your, you know, your package. And, you know, then we'd go back to the station and he would edit together everything that he shot. So I saw how it was all put together and it just made a lot of sense. Um, so I always was fascinated with that process, the actual, like, shooting and editing. That's awesome. So obviously, you wrote and directed the... It's set in the 1990, it's set in 1990, a lonely bachelor who searches for an escape from a day-to-day drudgery of caring for his aging mother while seeking a discovers a strange VHS tape called Rent-A-Pal. What was the inspiration behind the idea? Um, <clears throat> so a lot of things inspired Rent-A-Pal. Um, I think the thing that people most quickly point to is Rent-A-Friend, which uh, was this really cool concept by Ben Hollis in the 80s. And the idea was that you would rent a friend. You would bring a tape home and talk to it and have this interactive conversation and at the time it was like it's interactive you know it was really cool 
Um, but now in this context, when I, when I came across it, I was in this really um, dark place. And the way that it made me feel and sort of the, the places that it resonated with me, I was like, I have to capture this in a horror movie. Um, and so Rent-A-Pal is kind of less about, it, it's about the tape and how there's this spooky tape. But ultimately it's about um, a really vulnerable guy that gets led down a dark path um, by this manipulative, manipulative person and um, how easy it is to fall into that trap when you're in a really vulnerable place and all the relationships around you are not fulfilling you and for whatever reason. I love that. Um, so for me, obviously, the film doesn't work without Andy and David. I mean, the, the characters are obviously are, are two of our main characters. Um, how did you get Will and Brian? What was that process like in getting those kind of guys on board with saying yes, but also kind of what made you think, yeah, these are the guys for this role? Yeah, so Brian Landis Fulkins, um, him and I have known each other for many years. He's a local Denver actor, uh, mainly in theater, but he also does a lot of film. And he's also like a teacher and a, and a performer, uh, you know, like he's juggles and he can balance ladders on his face. Like he's just this amazing performer. Um, so we've known each other for a long time and he called me just in the perfect time when I was writing the script and was like, Hey man, you don't happen to have like any really cool indie films that you're thinking about shooting, you know, something like really emotional and dark and, you know, where I could really stretch myself as an actor. You don't have anything like that, do you? And I was like, actually, I'm <laughs> in it. So it was, really, um, it was perfect. And, uh, Will Wheaton, we just got really lucky in um, getting a script to him through a casting director. And so, uh, and he loved the script and we were able to structure it so that he only had to come to Denver for one day, shoot everything with Andy. And then we took that footage and laid it into a Rent-A-Pal tape, essentially, that we played back on the TV for Brian Landis Falcons uh, via a laptop and stuff like that, so. So basically, like I was saying, the film is set in that early 90s. How important was it for you to capture all, all the little things? Like I was talking to Amy Rutledge about the skating rink and, and how back in the day, obviously, that was the popular thing. So how important was it for you to kind of capture that entire uh, feel to make us, the viewer, also feel that as well? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of movie and TVs make that day glow neon 80s and 90s and stranger things did a really good job of kind of getting closer to a but it's still very like nostalgia fueled stuff and uh i think for us it was really important to have just a authentic period piece that had authentic 80s and 90s things but it wasn't in your face about it because it's that's not the point of it necessarily so and true. uh so less less is more, I guess, is what we were going for. Absolutely. So there's a pivotal point, and obviously I'm not going to, for the people at home, I might not have seen this yet. I myself have watched it three times now. But there's a, there's a pivotal moment where it kind of goes a lot more dark than it was to. Was, your, was the script always intended to kind of go dark that way? Or did you have something else in mind there? 
<clears throat> there's a lot of different versions of the script that I played with early on. And just because of the budget and the parameters, scheduling, all those kind of things, that's what that's the movie that we ended up with was we have Will Wheaton for a day. We get we film all the stuff and then he's on the TV, you know, <clears throat> so it was uh, had we had, you know, I'm sure there was a version of this movie if we had more money and more time where Andy would have, you know, kind of manifested himself in different ways. And, uh, you know, it was a really interesting process in the writing process to kind of decide how to, how to, what direction to go with that. So, um, yeah, it, it just, it feels like it ended up being the way it needed to be though, just based on everything that we had at our disposal. I, uh, I agree there because for me, I think that you were willing to take a risk where sometimes everybody likes the, I don't know, the, it's the happy-go-lucky, you know, maybe uh, maybe Will or uh, um, David goes and is just super chipper happy, he's changed his life. But for me, I feel like it, it's it's more realistic um, for him to take that turn. And and I appreciate the art of, of taking the risk as a, you know, somebody that enjoys, you know, not so peachy rainbows and butterflies that we're used to seeing in Hollywood. So for me, I think that was a great artistic way to do it because, you know, if you end it rainbows and butterflies, sure. It's, it's still a great, it's still a very good film, but for me, that's not who David really was. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. It's uh, ultimately we did want to make a horror movie too. So absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the thing. It's 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 hard to capture the mind of a person with a psychological thriller and, and keep it, you know, kind of true to itself at the same time. So, um, for me, from there, it, it's what was it like trying to get this off the ground after you sit down? You all right? I got. I'm ready to go. W what's next? Yeah, so I wrote the script. It came together really quickly. Um, like I said, our, our whole team is like our film school friends. So. Um, my producers, Jimmy and Annie, and, you know, I have a DP, Scott Park, my production designer, Brandon Fryman. I just basically went to all of them with the script and said, hey, do you guys want to do this? I have some money. I think we could pull everything together. So we've self-financed. And um, <clears throat> it just so happened that the house next door to mine, where I live, was um, unoccupied. And it was there was a, you know, this lovely woman that lived there who had this really interesting World War II, like USO tours, you know, story. She had passed away and the house was sitting unoccupied. And so I had become friends with the, the, the family and asked them if we could shoot a movie there. And we like rented the house and, but all, all the things in the house in the movie are, were there already. We just kind of unpacked stuff out of boxes dusted it off. Brandon did a really good job of kind of, you know, all the set decoration and stuff. So all that's really intentional, but everything was already there. And so if it, it feels authentic because it really was just all the stuff that this woman had in her house. And she just so happened to have this really interesting life story. So she had all this cool stuff in her house. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That, to me, that's, that's just kind of showing you, you know, the fate of making the film as a collective whole, right? Mm -hmm. and, and everything, multiple times along the way this movie has like i've been a filmmaker for a long time and there's always obstacles um on this movie the obstacles were just moving out of the way it just felt like it was all meant to be the time that when blf uh brian Landis folkins got a hold of me 
when we got to Will Wheaton, we had this house next door. Like there were just all of these elements that came together, even with the crew here locally in Colorado, there was another feature film that was supposed to be shooting at the same time. And it fell through and got canceled at the last minute. So all of our crew that we wanted was, they were able to come and work on our movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) So it was just like a family thing, you know, all of our friends making this cool movie. It was, it, it was really, really awesome. That's that's awesome. I, I it's like I said, it's it's kind of cool. Even talking to Amy, I was talking to her about it, and she said there's a lot of things that kind of fell into place for her that made her like, oh yeah, like this, 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 and this kind of happened, and that's when she kind of realized that this was, you know, she needed to be on this job because this is what it was. So that's awesome how the pieces kind of came together. Because a lot of the times in certain situations, the pieces could fall apart, and then you're you know kind of back at square one. Right. Um, so I, my next question for you is how 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 does it feel, right? How does it feel to understand that you have a film that is going to release in VOD on Friday? And in, of course, it's also going to release in some drive-in theaters as well. What's that feeling like for you? It's really crazy, man. I, I can't express it other than just utter gratitude. Like everybody on this movie worked <clears throat> so hard and put their heart into it. And everybody's work best work is on display and um so we're all just so proud of it and especially being from denver um you know we're hoping that we can kind of plant our flag here and keep making films here and you know um making it a place that people want to come and shoot so um we're just so proud to you know have gotten this far it's just crazy and especially with everything going on there's so many horrible things going on so i just feel really fortunate and grateful that that we you know just so blessed (laughs) (laughs) absolutely um for me i I guess i got a couple follow-up questions here towards the end so uh, i like to ask some some kind of random questions here but if it wasn't for being a writer and a director what would you be um I've always been a filmmaker in one way or another, but I, um, I love photography and I'm also like a cinematographer. That was kind of the main thing that I did coming up in my career. So, um, I've always, as a kid, I would, I dreamed of being like a national geographic videographer that would go to Africa and film the animals and stuff. So, you know, maybe someday I can circle back to that, but, uh, I, I, um, you know, and photography is a big hobby of mine as well. So, yeah, to now to pivot back to the film for a second, but that's one thing that I really, I love the color palette of the film. I thought it was just, it's kind of breathtaking and kind of enhances because it has that, it has a very obviously '90s feel to it, but it has that very horror esque feel to it. So it's kind of cool to feel like uh, an old school horror movie when you're watching it as well. Yeah, and and just from the filmmaking process, we were really fortunate that we had a little money to like put a camera test day together where everyone came over and we put Ryan in the costumes and we set up some lights and we kind of practiced shooting a scene and we realized there were a bunch of shirts that we had chosen for the whole production that we were that, that were not going to work the way we thought they would and you know, so having that <clears throat> time to um make adjustments was really really helpful um so camera tests are super important but also um brandon fryman just did some really beautiful work he's the production designer art designer 
And, you know, um, just in making the decisions on what stuff is in frame and what stuff isn't and what colors to use in the wardrobe and how those tie into the colors of each room and upstairs versus downstairs. Um, and there was a lot of conversation with the cinematographer too, you know, in lighting schemes and um, finding, you know, the color temperatures that we want for uh, upstairs where it's kind of cooler with mom and it's more warm and inviting downstairs with Andy. So yeah, there's just, everyone's kind of work is, is on display and it was really cohesive in it. And it's, uh, it, you know, it was just so magical. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. I love it. Um, okay. So obviously this is off. What's one thing that you have learned from this quarantine slash pandemic? Hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think the main thing I've learned, teachers are underpaid. That's the main thing I learned because I have three stepkids and we're homeschooling them. You know, they're doing remote learning and we had to do some last semester and this semester. And that's just been a real challenge, but also super rewarding. And I have been connecting with the kids really well. So it's just been so awesome. But man, teachers do not make enough money and they owe us a lot more of their gratitude and respect. <laughs> Absolutely. It's it's crazy. Right before school, quote unquote, started, because here are my kids. I have I have three stepsons and I have a, and I have my own daughter and two of them are 10 and uh, 10 and 10, 11. And they're going to school like two days a week. Mm. They're going to school three days are at home. My wife is, is at home with the kids. And I'm just like, it, it's it's vastly underappreciated what teachers do on a day-to-day basis because I know I didn't sign up and my wife didn't sign up. I know you and your, you didn't sign up to be a school teacher and not realizing what they deal with. And we're only dealing with, you know, you have three and we've got two. So you're only dealing with, could you imagine 20 of those running around? Yeah. Yeah. And also your relationship with your kid is different than your teacher's relationship with them. And so it's so much easier for them to just be like, no, I'm not going to do that because I hate you. (laughs) Exactly. And they can't do that to the teacher. There's just too many social pressures and stuff. So, um, but it's okay. It's just an adjustment and we're, everyone's doing great. And uh, we're just going to, we got to ride this thing out. So there's a vaccine. Absolutely. Um, Favorite film or TV show you've watched lately? Ah, dang it. I knew I should have wrote something down. (laughs) Uh, i love um the hbo watchmen series was really incredible um and i'm also watching love lovecraft country now which is super interesting um i just love hbo that what they have going on like the aesthetic that they have going on is really really cool um and gosh otherwise it's a lot of kids shows mostly that are on our tvs (laughs) I, I totally get that one as well. Um, all right, so I've got this one last question. It's an off-the-wall one, but I want to know it. It's, it's an important question, pivotal for the world. What's your favorite Taylor Swift song? <laughs> you know, uh, the kids are real big fans of Taylor Swift, so the problem is that I'm going to sound like an old man and not know what the name of the song is. <laughs> um, better. But, but uh, I hold on. Let me hear the... T- Hear, hear the hook in my head. Play, haters gonna hate, hate, hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shake it off. There you Shake go. It off. There we go. Fantastic. Because it's true. Oh. It's true, Taylor. Shake it off. Exactly. Exactly. Um, 
Thank you so much for your time today, brother. I really do appreciate it. I love this film. I am going to, I, if I had a flag, I would plant it on my front yard because of how great this film is. I, I loved, I love the artistic nature of this film, and and I really do appreciate the art that you presented. And I appreciate you coming on and doing this interview with me, sir. Thanks, man. It was such a pleasure chatting with you. Sorry for the technical issues, and uh, yeah, I'm so excited that you enjoyed it. And you know, yeah. It'll be fun to see where this goes.